Wasn't that good? God is in the house. God is in the house. All right. And he makes all the difference. Well, we're talking about healthy families these days. And, uh, you know, isn't that what we all want? Hello. Don't, isn't that what we all want? Healthy families? <laughs> we don't want... Well, we like perfect families, but I don't know that there are any of those, right? So let's, let's talk about healthy families. Last week, we looked at... Um, a classic passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6 describing what a God-honoring family looks like from the perspective of the Older Testament. And we're going to go back to that. A few years ago, I heard somebody say that, um, you know, when the pastor uses the same text or preaches on the same theme one week after another, it's like, well, when are you going to move on to the next one? It's like, well, when we all live up to that one. So I might be on this one for a while, okay? (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Healthy family. Healthy families, you know, where the dad isn't afraid to be a dad. Where he brings strength and masculinity to the home and all that that means. And where a mom is a good mom. Where she brings all that God has placed into her life and engages in in, uh, parenting and and in being a spouse. And where the kids, um, you know, respect and honor their parents, but they're they're kids, you know, they have fun, they're alive, and they're alive in God. And together, that family construct supports and encourages each other as they grow up together. Well, one of the challenges every family faces today is that not all families look like that. You know, the traditional family with mom and dad and, what is it, 2.5 kids? And a dog or a cat? Well, a dog. Oh, <laughs> That's for sure. A dog. Um, anyway, <laughs> that family uh, is less common. Nowadays, we have more and more single parent families. We have more blended families. We have more multi generational families. Grandparents who are raising their grandkids. In our last church, there is a family, Dotton. And Don, that were raising their great granddaughter. In fact, they adopted her as their own. And and I don't know, I haven't seen many families that looked like that, but here's what I know families come in all shapes and sizes. And they all matter to God. And yes, we want to be a place that honors a, a traditional family. We want to hold that up as an ideal, but we also want to say that if that's not your experience, you still matter to God and you still matter to us. And you are welcome here because everybody matters to God. And even traditional families sometimes get pretty messed up, don't they? I mean, they're, you know, you can have all the right parts and still have a very dysfunctional family. I've met a few families that put the funk in dysfunctional. You know, I don't know about you. So uh, our prayer is that whether you're a single parent or whether uh, you are in a Second marriage with kids, you know, yours and mine and ours or however that looks or whatever your circumstance. First of all, our prayer is that you will find a relationship with Jesus Christ that makes a difference in your life. And that as Christ changes you, you in turn can influence the children in your family and around your family. And some of us here You know, we don't have kids at home anymore, or perhaps some of us never had children. We're still part of a family. We're part of a church family. We are aunts and uncles and extended family to people. And 
that's a great blessing. I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes. So let's go back to that core passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it describes um, a life of faith at home. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Is there a word that repeats? All. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. So that's part one. Part one is that every healthy family, no matter what it looks like, no matter how many participants there are, has at its core someone who has real, vibrant, life-changing faith in God through Christ. Not a little God dust, not a little prayer on Sunday dinner, not a little, you know, kind of hope so faith, but real vital faith that engages all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's one thing that I want for us as a church is that more and more of us will be more connected to God, that our faith will be more genuine, more deep, more real, so that we have something to pass on, right? You can't pass it on if, if God hasn't created in you the kind of real faith that changes you. So healthy families have at their core someone who has a growing, real relationship with God. Then what? Impress them on your children. You know, that, that's a strong word. Impress them on your children. How? Well, talk about them. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. I think that pretty much covers it, doesn't it? Like, as a regular part of everyday life, uh, our connection to God matters. Makes a difference. Makes a difference in what we buy or don't buy. Makes a difference in what we watch or don't watch. Makes a difference in the Activities we participate in or don't participate in. It matters. It, it's real. It works. And if you're living some kind of uh, pseudo-Christian life or shallow Christian life where it doesn't matter, then you're going to have problems passing that to the next generation. It's when there's this real, vibrant, everyday faith that you can pass along. When? When you lie down and when you get up, when you're walking around, when you're doing life, when something happens and you say, let's pray about that. And you do pray. When from an early age with your kids, you know, you encourage them to pray and actually teach them to pray. When you know enough of the Bible, know your way around the Bible, that you could actually, you know, find a verse that relates to the topic. You know, I, I wonder, what, what do we really believe about this? And you know what you believe and you know how to talk about it and share it. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along, along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. That's particularly... Um, Jewish 
traditional way of honoring Scripture. One of the things that the Older Testament emphasizes is that one of the greatest gifts of God is His Word. That He actually has revealed Himself in the writings of the Bible. And so the Jewish tradition was to take a little scroll and put it in a, in a little box and tie it on your wrist or hand or tie it on your forehead as a way of saying, um, Scripture isn't just something I carry around or put on the coffee table or say that I like. Scripture is actually something that makes a difference and I use it every day. I think about what the Bible teaches when I go to work. The way I do my work, I work for God and not for the boss. When I go to class, I learn not just because I need to pass the class, but because God would want me to honor him with my mind. And so, you know, I love that image of actual scripture scroll on the forehead. It's like memorizing classic scripture verses. I know that as a child and a teenager, I learned specific Bible verses that have lasted me my entire life, shape the way that I think, shape the way I act, the way I do life day to day. That's what this is talking about. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You know, that's a very practical way to show your family what you believe. It's like, having a beautiful uh, painting that maybe illustrates uh, a scripture verse, you know, maybe the good shepherd or something, in your home. Um, some have a Bible verse on a plaque or maybe a particular kind of cross, not just a, you know, lucky rabbit's foot kind of thing, but something that's real and, and meaningful. And you might point it out periodically to your family and, Say, you know, that's something that represents who we are and what we believe. This is a God-honoring family. This is a healthy family. They love the Lord with their whole heart, soul, mind, and then they pass it on to the next generation. Today I want to encourage us that there's kind of two aspects to that. One is the way we do it at home. I call it sort of plan A. Plan A is represented by this passage that parents, whether there's two or one or however many kids we have, we live a life day after day that illustrates in the real world that Jesus Christ matters, that faith in him is important. He gives us the grace to forgive each other, to encourage each other, to bring out the best in one another. That comes from our hearts. And we make time and figure out ways in our everyday coming and going to express that faith to the people who are around us. We talk about the Lord. We sing about the Lord. We read scripture together and together we grow in Christ. Plan A. But there's also plan B. Plan B is for families that may struggle with that, may not have a lot of history or a lot of tools, there is a church family. And a church family is like an extension of your biological or 
physical family. In the, in the church family, we come alongside. It's actually why we have children in the ministry that we're meeting right now in the other part of our building, some downstairs and some on the other end. Because kids matter to God. Did you know that? Jesus said, let the little ones come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So if we want to be supportive of families, uh, I don't know about you, but one of the best things that we experienced when our kids were little was other people who loved our kids in the name of Christ. And we knew, you know, cared about them, were careful with them, was a safe environment for our kids. And at the same time, they were learning about the things of the Lord. That was all being reinforced. What we wanted to happen at home was being reinforced by other people at church. That became particularly important when our kids got to junior high and high school. That's why we have a ministry to junior high kids and high school kids to be an extension of your family to help with plan B, which is someone else honors God. Someone else thinks it's important to pray. Someone else you know, mentions scripture and its importance and its insight. I, I don't know about you, but when I was that age growing up in the church, it was great that my mom and dad, you know, prayed with me and for me and encouraged me to pray. But it was equally as important that there was somebody else other than mom and dad. Because, you know, mom and dad are mom and dad. You know what I'm saying? And someone else some other source of support and encouragement that validated what my parents thought. Um, our family knows about my friends, Doug and Norma Jean. Doug and Norma Jean in the, in the Queensway Free Methodist Church in Niagara Falls, Ontario, were like, kind of like second parents. They were youth group sponsors. He was the coach of the Bible quiz team that I was on. And uh, I spent a lot of time with them. And they poured into my life and encouraged and validated and supported everything mom and dad taught. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know all of us in our church family, but every church I've ever been in, I've wanted to go to parents of like grammar school kids, elementary school kids, and junior high kids and say, don't miss the moment. Don't miss the opportunity. Like this is not about us. This is not about our youth program or whatever. This is about us helping you. Don't miss the moment. Don't let it go uninvested in and supported and encouraged because it's been a huge blessing to us. Last night, um, our son-in-law and daughter are here visiting with us and they brought the grandkids, two, two out of the five grandkids, exceptional grandkids, yes. And uh, so we're having fun and we're talking. And I said, uh, Angela, do you remember like somebody at a critical stage in your life that you know, was important from our church family that spoke into your life and encouraged you? And she immediately came up with the name of Alicia from Saskatoon, who when Angela was very young, took an interest in her and spent extra time with her and, and uh, encouraged her to, to really be a Christian. And it's made a huge impact. And I just want to ask you, are you taking every opportunity to reinforce and encourage the people around you in the Lord? And that's even more important if, you, if you're in a non-traditional family structure. Because God can use the other people in our church family 
to help minister those unique things that kids need, right? We can be an extension of the love of Christ to you and your family. Because I don't know about you, but I think every family could use another friend, another Christian friend. The church is like a friend of the family. Uh, Maybe some of you have been around families that just like to have other people around when there's something going on, when there's a holiday or a party. When we lived at um, Temperance, Michigan, on the border with Ohio, uh, there was a couple different families in that church that always invited our family along. And there'd be a barbecue or an outing or some fun thing going on, and they'd just say, you know, you guys want to come over? And we'd come over, and people who didn't know thought we were sort of cousins or something. You know, Who are those guys? They're always there. When your family's together, they're along. And we'd say, well, no, we're not related. We're just friends of the family. Well, that's how I think about a healthy church. We're friends of the family. We want to be there, be part of your life, part of the system that God uses to grow you and your children. Healthy families begin with a solid commitment to God. Healthy families communicate His love consistently, day after day, moment by moment. And healthy families extend the family by including other Christians, other Christ followers, who can reinforce and encourage you. The fact of the matter is that every person matters to God. Every child, every teen matters to God. He gave his one and only son for you and for your family. And we want to be here to be part of his work, how he works and blesses your home. This week, as I was thinking and praying about how to help you know, non-traditional families, I remembered uh, hearing Dr. Henry Cloud. He's an incredible Christian author, speaker, Christian psychologist, and he spoke at Willow Creek Church not too long ago on the topic of blended and step families. And I remember a couple of particular things that he said. The first one is that he acknowledged that having a non-traditional family structure just adds extra challenges. It isn't that it's impossible, but it's that much harder. And as a church, we need to give grace and and show love and concern and support for those in that situation. Family, healthy families adjust to their current realities. And sometimes if you're in a broken family or a mending family or a blending family, you can get sort of hung up on what went wrong or on trying to share kids between a couple of different parenting units. And his advice was that we can take 100% control of our actions and reactions. And a lot of times if your family is, is divided or struggling or blending, um, we can't control what other people do or say. But we can control what we do and say. He said, continue to be as nourishing and positive as you can as a parent setting reasonable expectations. Don't be afraid to be a disciplining parent because children at a deep level gravitate towards structure. I like that. I think that's God-given. Children at a deep level gravitate towards structure. 
with God's help, as you are the very best person you can be, the best parent you can be, balancing love and discipline, you can create the kind of bond with your child that will overcome the stresses and the struggles and the division that sometimes fights against that. He also talked about having a transcendent goal. It's bigger than just, you know, trying to put everything back together and fix things. One of the things that happens when a marriage ends or a family is divided is that you've decided together it can't be fixed. But you can come together with one transcendent value, which is what's best for our kids. As God makes the best out of a bad situation. Did you know God does that? He can make the best out of a bad situation. And he can bring good out of trouble and struggle. I love that. And he can do that in your home and he can do that in your family. So he says, pray, Lord, give me the grace and space to parent as well as I can and to trust you. And as I think about that, And I think the key is just to remember there is no perfect parent on earth. There is no perfect family, humanly speaking. We're all making the best we can out of the situation in which we find ourselves and God will help us. He cares. His grace is enough. He will give us wisdom or whatever comes our way, even when it's hard. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Impress that love on the next generation. Do life with Jesus at the center. Do it at home. Do it as a church family. And watch what God does. God is at work in ways we cannot see and cannot fully understand. If you have any influence on a young person, ask for God's help and God's grace and God's wisdom and God's strength and watch what he does through you. You can actually influence this generation and the next generation and generations to come. I love what it says in Psalm 22, verses 30 and 31. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. One of the things we talk about in our church here is that quite a number of us have been part of several generations, either in this church community or followers of Christ. You know, our our parents, our grandparents came to faith in Christ and they passed that faith on and they passed that faith on and we are the blessed recipients of that. And our prayer is that we'll pass that faith on and our kids will pass that faith on. But like we mentioned last week, there are many who are part of our church family or whom you are the first generation to follow Christ. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, there's two things I think the Lord wants me to say. The first is that if you are blessed to be part of a legacy of faith, do everything you can to make sure the legacy stays strong. That, you know, you're part of the torch in the relay 
Uh, you take your torch and you pass it to the next generation by the way you act, by the way you live, by the faith you live out. Don't be the one to, to drop it, you know? Don't be the one to, to mess it up. With God's grace, by God's strength. And when you do, when you know, if there's failure or mistake, receive forgiveness, get back on track, restore your relationship with Christ and keep going. But then there are those of us who are the first of a series. You know, you look back in the past, you see lots of junk, lots of trouble, lots of mistakes. And where there's been family division for generation after generation, yours can be the generation that begins a healthy family tradition. And you can pass it to the next generation and the next generation as you faithfully follow Christ and do everything you can and trust him to do what you can't and minister to your children. So uh, yesterday, I'm playing with my two-and-a-half-year-old grandson, Caden. And I'm teaching him to cheer for the Seahawks, of course. You know, some days you just get up and dress in your team colors by accident. And um, so we're talking, we're playing, and, and I'm thinking about this, and kind of in the back of my mind, the message for today. And I'm thinking, you know, it didn't start with his grandparents. I mean, both Nancy and I have in our heritage Christian faith. I was thinking about uh, my mom, who was one of 12 children, eight of whom lived to adulthood. And her parents, my grandma, Alicia and James Alexander, were pioneer farmers in Western Canada. James had come with his dad, Alexander Alexander, from Scotland. Um, you could guess where they came from, right? Alexander, Alexander, and his son James and, and uh, their family, they settled on the border between Minnesota and Manitoba. And um, Grandpa, he played baseball on a team that traveled over the border. And as a result, he met my grandma, whose family played on the Canadian side. And they got married and they moved to Western Canada and they started to raise their kids. And they started to go to this little country church. Riverside uh, Free Methodist Church in Goodwater, Saskatchewan. Salt of the earth people, right? And there's a revival meeting there. And during the revival meeting, uh, both grandpa and grandma give their hearts to Jesus Christ. And they start to live out that faith. And they start to engage their children in their faith at home. And they are very active in their church. And, and their daughter, my mom, she becomes a follower of Jesus Christ and she's a, a young woman who never marries for quite a long time. Now, the right man hasn't come along and some friends of hers invite her to go out to Ontario, Canada and on the way they say, well, you know, we know this guy and he has a five-year-old boy. Uh, his wife died when the, their son was born and uh, I'm going to introduce you to him. And the, kind of the rest is history. They introduced uh, Howard Teal with his five-year-old son, the Evelyn Alexander from out in the prairies. And they get married. And a couple of years later, they have Glenn, Howard 
teal. And uh, they raised me to follow Christ along with my older brother. My family's a little complicated because when, my, when I was eight years old, my dad died very suddenly. And so for two years, you know, my mom was a single mom and she had these two little boys. And then two years later, she married, but she married my father's younger brother. So my uncle is my dad and my, and he had a son and, just, you know, did I mention that some families don't look like the traditional family and God can work in those families? And I'm thinking about the legacy of, of uh, grandpa and grandma Alexander on my mom and on my dad and their commitment to Christ and their involvement in our church. I marry the lovely Nancy Jane Graz from George, Washington. That's a whole other story. Town of George, state of Washington. And um, we have two kids, Alex and Angela, and we do our very best to live out our faith, be part of churches that support us in our faith journey. And together we watch and pray as they come to faith in Christ. And then they get married and they marry Angela marries Jared. He changes her last name and messes the whole thing up. No. And they're here today. And, and uh, you know, and they bless our family with two grandkids. And Alex marries Becky, and she's a pastor's daughter from Indiana and, well, Michigan, but now Indiana. And they have three kids, and, and uh, you know, I watch them. And they pray together. And they talk about the Bible together. Caden's favorite Bible story right now is the Battle of Jericho because the walls fell down and God did it. And you know, you watch that stuff and you sing songs together and you see, you see that it, it, it works, it happens. God, God blesses one generation after another, after another, after another, and I want that for you. And I want that for us. And I don't want to ever, ever take it for granted. And so here's my prayer. For those of us who are in generations of faith, may we pass the faith along. And for those of us who are first generation, may it start with us. Lord God, I thank you for every person here today. No matter what our family looks like, it matters to you. And I pray that those of us who are full-time working on plan A, Help us to live it at home. And help us to take advantage of plan B. I think about young people who don't come from a Christian home, who come here and find Christ. I think about aunts and uncles and friends who bring a kid along and that kid comes to church and we're their family. I pray that you would bless everyone who volunteers in children's ministry, and youth ministry. All the people in this church who are like friends of the family. May we take our opportunity and obligation seriously and may you do through us and in us and beyond us what only you can do. And may there be more healthy families because of this family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, I asked Ron and Michelle
stature. They're here. Oh, they're over here today, this time. They sat over there for service. So um, these guys have a very interesting family. And I asked them to tell us about their family journey. Um, we think about a non-traditional family construction. How many kids do you have? And how did you guys you know, get together? And tell us about that. Okay. Um, Ron and I have been married for 10 years. We have five daughters. Um, we, how old are they? Um, our oldest is 20, almost 22. I know I don't look, I don't look that old. No. Um, <laughs> and then we have an 18-year-old. We have a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an 8-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we are a blended family. We didn't realize it until just a few <laughs> weeks ago. But um, we are a blended family because um, when I was 31 years old, I was widowed. And at that time, I had four little girls. Mm-hmm. I had a 7-year-old, a 4-year-old, an 18-month-old, and a 5-month-old. And so when Ron and I met, um, I came with a lot of baggage. And um, so we have had to work through, obviously, some things that a traditional family wouldn't have to work through. And so um, when we told the girls we were doing this, they, they really did say, you know, they didn't get it because we don't consider ourselves a blended family at all. Well, that just means you're connected. <laughs> That's great. So especially in those early years, I mean, for those of us who are maybe in that situation, what were some of the keys to connecting and building the bond? Well, I think that with the girls, um, I was just dad. Um, I started out as, oh, it's off. Yep. That'll be better. So when I was, uh, I was dad immediately or fairly immediate with the girls, um, Haley especially, I think she was 12, sitting around the table and referred to me as dad. Um, Olivia and Tristan were still very young, so I was dad to them too. But for me, not ever having kids, um, how do you parent? How do you um, discipline? How do you do some of those things? That it, I, I vowed that I wouldn't do the things that my mom and dad did, but oftentimes I caught myself saying the same things that they did. Um, so being a role model to them, I, I think the biggest thing that they ever said to me was, it crushes me when, when you say I'm disappointed. Um, and I think even today that still gets to them. So I think being a role model to them, um, that was really the, the biggest thing that we could do. We disagreed. I mean, I was learning. And Michelle would, um, you know, we wouldn't, she wouldn't correct me in front of them as how to do the parenting thing. But we would have off time where we would step into the closet and she'd say, you know, I probably wouldn't handle it that way. So that's uh, pretty much how trial by error. No, when you say the closet, you mean literally the closet. closet. We have a walk-in closet and that's our conference room. <laughs> um, we, I think that, that was the, the toughest part for me because I was alone for four years. And so for four years, you know, they came to me for everything. And I was the, the disciplinarian and I ran a very strict household. I had to because I was completely outnumbered. So when he came on, um, you know, I had the way that I did things and it was hard for me to let that go. And it, it was difficult when they would go to him instead of me. I mean, there was, uh, there was a little bit of a jealousy thing there. <laughs> so that was probably the, the biggest and hardest part of making it work. But, you know, we are extremely strict parents. So you have the, the challenge of redefining parenting roles in a blended family and also your marriage, keeping your marriage and the, you know, because you've got 
several children, four children at this point, but you're also newlyweds. Mm -hmm. So how did you make that all work? That really, we, we ended up, because I'm, I'm a worrier and I don't, you know, every day to me could be my last day. That's, that's the way I think now. And so the time with the girls is, that's really, I feel like, and I know this isn't right and this is like not good, but <laughs> I feel like we have time, but our time with the girls are very limited. So I'm not one that really enjoys date night. So what we did is we literally put a, a, a we have an, a, an appointment in our calendar every night at 930 and we, that's when we go into the bedroom and we catch up on the day. Or We also both have very flexible jobs, so we're able to connect during the day with phone calls or text messages, and that helps a ton. But, um, you know, he's one that he would rather go out on a date, and the whole time we're out, I'm thinking about the girls, I'm talking about the girls. So that, that really just personally hasn't worked for me. But we do, we connect every night as a family for dinner. Um, you know, sometimes we're eating dinner at 9.30 at night because if that's what the schedule dictates, that's what we do. So we do, it is absolutely imperative to us that we connect each and every day, if, if in, only for okay, five Okay, so minutes. you told me that the other day when we talked about this, that when life is crazy, and a lot of us, you know, we're all, we get kids in different activities, and so we tend to, like, we just can't, get, we just can't do it today. But you said you don't do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait. I mean, uh, when we can get everyone, sometimes 7.30, 8.30, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night, depending on, you know, soccer games or practices or something like that. But it is something that, you know, we still sit down together. And we, we learn about their day. We're involved in what they're doing. You know, their job is to be students. So they come home and they do their homework even after whatever's going on. And uh, we still try to... St- stay together still as, as family. And interestingly enough, I have two daughters that are out of the house now, and we connect every day. Every single night before bed, we either connect via text or via phone call. And it's when they're home, we were up last weekend until 12, 1 o'clock, just hashing, living life with them at the table, and it's, that's the meeting place. And, you know, there are times that there are some, you know, really embarrassing questions, but you're, you're brutally honest with them, our home is, is safe and inviting, and we were parents to other kids that don't have that connection with their parents. And, you know, we, we, we love that. Ron grew up with two brothers. You should see him sweat sometimes at the questions. <laughs> All right. So uh, the plan A, plan B thing with the church supporting and extending your influence, how's that worked out? That's been great. I mean, when we moved here, we, we used to live in uh, Howell, Michigan. And when we moved here... Uh, we were attending a Lutheran church in Howell. We came here. We were going to go, okay, this is the Sunday. We're going to go off to church. We were, I think they started at 1045. So we were automatically late because that's when we left our house. And um, <clears throat> so I said, well, I grew up Methodist, so let's just drive down the road. I know there's a Methodist church. Come to find out it's a free Methodist <laughs> church. Um, but I learned a lot about the heritage of the free Methodist church, and I, I really, really enjoy raising our children in, in this environment. So Brad's message spoke to us. The music spoke to us. The friends that we've met here, you know, Mike and Rhonda Tracy, um, Bruce and Monica uh, Martin, who were up here last week. Um, Monica would see me a couple of months after we've gotten to know them, and someone thought that I was her brother. So we, we were a family together. You know, Gary and Linda have been great influences us as parents, um, second set of parents. You know, Tim and Paige, we, we, our family is bigger than just what we have at our house, it's, it's so much more here at the church. 
And I think when, when I was single, for, you know, for the four years I was single, I, me and the girls attended a different church. And um, that church really got me through what I went through because I'm not good at asking for help, and God knows that. And so when days were really tough, he knew to send someone to me, and I didn't ever have to ask for help. And, and that, truthfully, um, my faith is what got me through. I mean, if the doors of the church were open, I was there. And there were people there that were really helping get me through what I was going through. Okay. Well, a couple things then. So we should be encouraging and supportive of any, you know, notice the people, right? Notice people. If they're, if they're alone, if they seem to have a lot of kids and a lot of demands, we ought to be there to be supportive. I, I think for me personally that that, that is the biggest role the church can play. Because I can tell you, um, being somebody that is extremely independent, extremely proud, um, I have no family in the state of Michigan. So when I was having tough days, I didn't want to have to ask for help. The other thing is I think that all of us have a tendency to make assumptions. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I was out with my four little girls that I heard people speaking about me making assumptions about who I was and look at that, that single lady with all those kids and people notice you're not wearing a wedding ring. And so, you know, one particular time that has affected me to this day, and it's been 14, 15 years later, um, it was one week after my husband died. And I had these four little girls ranging in age from seven to five months. And I had forgotten that I didn't have milk for the next day's breakfast. So 10 o'clock at night, I have two options. I can leave my kids home alone or I can get them out of bed and bring them with me. And I got them out of bed and I went literally two blocks to the local, you know, Walgreens. And Kaylee was crying because she's seven years old. She's in her PJ. She didn't want to get up. The girls were, I mean, they were all very upset. So we're walking through the parking lot going into the store and some lady stops me and says to me, you should be ashamed of yourself for having these little girls out at that time of night. And you know, she didn't know. She had no idea what my situation was. She was not trying to be mean to me, but I was devastated, and I started to cry. And, you know, that I was barely hanging on, and, and that one comment could have so easily pushed me over the edge. And, again, she wasn't trying to be malicious. Haley was upset because then mom's crying. So we just have to be super careful not to, you know, make assumptions about people. And, you know, a traditional family is awesome. And believe me, I, you know, this is not the life that I thought I was going to have, but I'm extremely blessed and fortunate that I do. But you cannot make assumptions about people. And if you see somebody and you think they're struggling or they could be struggling, we all know what people are going through. You need to reach out. That, that is really what our job is. And don't wait for them to come to you. All right. Any encouraging words for, you know, can you do it? Can you make it? Can we all get through whatever we're going through? You know, how's the Lord doing that for you guys? A lot of humor. Yeah. A lot of humor. Here's passing on to generation. Um, just a couple weeks ago, I was driving with Kayla in the car, and she says, Dad, she goes, Dad, if, if I die before you, Will you have on my grave a cross? She's eight. And she goes, I go, well, I hope that never happens. I go, but, but, but why? What, what's the reason behind that? And she goes, because of Jesus. I wish I could say this is just because I'm saying it today, but literally happening with your own kids and you're passing life on to them and nothing's, nothing's impossible, really. So When, when we were... 
it was probably a month, a month after um, my husband died. Haley, who was seven at the time, drew a star. And there were five of us. There was my four girls and me. And she drew a star, and in the center of the star was God, and then we were all each at the tip. And she hung it on the refrigerator. And that's the way we lived our life from that point forward. And, and we really still do. I mean, we are a crazy family. Um, you come to our house and you want ask for us to pass you a roll, we're going to literally pass you a roll. So it, it is really, truly, it's a lot of, it's a sense of humor. It's being, you know, painfully honest with each other. Um, you know, it's, it's having those difficult conversations. And when we screw up as parents, we tell them we screwed up and we ask for their apology. Um, I am neurotic. Uh, I will always be. I'm, the, I'm a worry person. If Ron is five minutes late coming home, I'm not thinking he's five minutes late. I'm thinking he's not coming home. So he has given me that, the, you know, the ability to do that, and he calls me. But that was probably two years into the marriage before I said, dude, you got to call because I worry. So he does that now every, you know, all the time. So it's just, you know, putting God at the center, sense of humor. I cannot stress that enough and just brutal honesty. All right. Well, thank you for sharing with all of us. Thank you for, uh, for that. Let's, let's go ahead. All right. Well, the worship team's going to come. We're going to close with a song. And um, while they're coming, I'd just like us to take a moment, think about all that the Lord has said into our hearts and lives today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the privilege of living in families, whatever that family looks like. And I pray that you would help us, heal us, teach us, grow us, guide us by your grace, and may we honor you. And may the world be a better place because of Jesus Christ forgiving us and changing us. In his name we pray, amen.